So here's a hot question. What is a missionary? That's our topic today on this episode of When Everything is Missions. Hosted by Matthew Ellison from 1615 Missions Coaching and his trusty sidekick and co-author Danny Spitters from Pioneers in Orlando. And in the guest chair, Jeff Lewis from Radical.net. Jeff has been involved in the Ministry of Mobilization for the last 31 years through multiple organizations and positions. He has ministered in 55 countries, working with field personnel and indigenous church leaders in the development of mobilization strategies. He now works as the Chief Mobilization Officer at Radical.net. So you see, lots of firepower in the studio today. You'll be hearing a passionate, controversial conversation. Lean in when the talk turns to the well-intended habit of calling all Christians missionaries and the resulting unintended consequences. Matthew pulls the pin on this grenade and passes it around the room. Here we go with What is a Missionary? I'm Matthew Ellison, president of 1615. Welcome to the When Everything is Missions podcast. Based upon the book I co-authored with my good friend, Denny Spitters, who's the vice president of church partnerships at Pioneers. Denny, you know, I love hanging out with you, man. I look forward to these times. It's always a huge blessing. It's great. And we have a special guest with us again. If you tuned into our last podcast, Jeff Lewis with Radical is with us today. And Jeff, we're going to talk about something that you're just passionate about. I'm going to share it, kind of open this up, and then he's going to read a quote here. But you always talk about making missions part of the discipleship process, that we shouldn't isolate it and marginalize it, but it should become part of the very fabric and culture of the church. Denny, you got that quote ready to go here? Oh, yes. I'm I'm picking it up. Give me a second. Oh, Denny's lost it here. I got it. Oh, he's got it. Here we go. (laughs) Yes. The local church is a community of believers of the king, liberated from the slavery of self, called to be fully engaged in the redemptive mission among the nations, both locally and globally. And they are charged with the nurturing and training of God's children to be disciples of the nations. The church must rediscover her mission and the responsibility of developing kids, teenagers, and adults fully equipped to disciple the nations, both locally and to the ends of the earth. Now, that's a lot that you're covering there, but you are nailing uh, this. You're bringing it to a very specific point. Why is it that we have separated um, missions from the discipleship process. Where has the church gone off the mark? Why? And why has this well, happened? First of all, I want to thank you guys for inviting me back because I didn't think you would after the last <laughs> but, um, us dinner. So yeah. Oh, yeah. oh. that helps. It always helps. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. So why? I think I believe it's because we have segregated our ministries. Let's face it. The Western way of viewing the faith is from a very segregated perspective. Systematic theology is what all pastors are trained in. Biblical theology is an option that very rarely is something that people Mm. dive into. Mm. And so since that's the way we're trained, that's also the way we develop our churches. We segregate the different ministries. Now, Matthew, you said that missions, you know, being a part of discipleship, I would even push back on that. It's not a part of discipleship. It is the very essence of discipleship. Yeah. Because if if someone were to ask me, 
what is the chief end of discipleship? Now, before I answer that question, if I were to ask you guys this question, which you know from your history, what is the chief end of man? How would you answer that? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right. Westminster Catechism. Or Heidelberg. That. Yep. Yeah. Got it. And man, it's you couldn't summarize better as it relates to that. And John Piper has done a great job of, mm-hmm. you know, kind of resurrecting that to the no, basic Christian population right. in the late 80s and 90s. Yep. And then into this 21st century. Yep. I would argue that the chief end of biblical discipleship is that the nations might glorify God mm. and enjoy him uh, forever. That's good. Well, and Jesus, again, we talked the last time about John 20, 21 as being kind of a focal point that everybody goes to. But you mentioned in there something that a lot of people don't realize it. And that is that there was not one commissioning statement. There are right. five. And they have an order, and they have a purpose, each one of them. So when you're talking about our God has given us a mission, it's within the context of those five mission statements. Oh, definitely. In fact, I would argue the Great Commission is not a single statement. It's the collective whole of all five statements that are given between his resurrection and his ascension. The Great Commissions. The Great Commission is five statements, collective whole. Yeah. If you extract one from the other four, Mm. it becomes wanting. And Mm. we can fixate on the one and ignore the others. Right. Like if you take, let's just take the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. That's the imperative. Right. But if you extract Matthew 28 from the context of the other commissioning statements, particularly John 20, 21 that we talked about, What the Western world does with that is now the Great Commission is all about a task. Mm. Jesus has given us a task, and our natural Western perspective is we can do this. (laughs) And so we'll develop our plans. We'll spend thousands of dollars, no, millions of dollars on on advertisement, millions of man hours, and we'll we'll go out there. We'll come up with a program. We got this thing. (laughs) Get her done. That's right. But all the task statements, make disciples of all nations, preach the gospel of all creation, repentance for the forgiveness of sins shall be proclaimed in my name to all nations, and so on. Those are all based on, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. He sent me to live in perfect intimacy with him. And out of that intimacy, I obey his word Mm. and his prompting to accomplish his mission. So it is how I accomplish the task. Yeah, that's really good. So none of them should be viewed in isolation is what you're saying. Oh, not at all. Yeah, and we, we're beautiful at that. Going back to discipleship. That's right. Let that's me right. go back to the, the original question. What we've done is we've extracted discipleship out of its global context. Yeah. And so mm. now if you follow the basic plans of disciple making, it's 30 plus different topics that you want to move a discipler through. Mm. How to pray, how to worship, how to fellowship, how, how to participate in church, how to share with faith with others. And then ultimately down the road, you're going to find a mission section of one of the 30. And so everything segregated are things that we want to do. And Western discipleship is more about the individual personal development of a person how the Western world defines it instead of 
Biblical discipleship is always about making disciplers of the nations. That's good. Wherever they happen to be. I think something else that we should surface here, since we're talking about the five commissioning statements of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and you would argue there's five great commissions, is essentially what you said. No, there's one great commission— Collective whole. I wrote a chapter in a book. All on right. This. I've so, got to stay with what I've written. So, man. Um, what's the name of the book, by the way? Uh, Discovering the Mission of God. Okay, so there you go. So, there's one statement, but there's five different statements that basically build that one statement. That, that define it. Okay. Yes. So, here's what we have After the resurrection, prior to the um, after the resurrection, prior to the ascension, excuse yes. me, we have six weeks of Jesus appearing before his disciples. Right. He teaches them many things. Again, on many occasions, but he only returned to two themes more than twice. The resurrection, which you've hit on, and this meta-narrative, this mandate, make disciples of all the nations. That's really significant because he is going to be leaving physically. He will not leave us as orphans. He's going to send the Spirit. But those are significant teachings because he repeats them. Again, five times recorded. Yes. In fact, I would then put those two things in its context. Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says, After his suffering, for 40 days he taught on the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. That is really the context. Of the whole thing. Of it. Yep. Because that's, in fact, the beautiful thing about Acts is it starts in Acts 1, 3 with that. And it ends the last two verses of Acts 28. And Paul rented his own quarters. And where that was, was Rome. And he welcomed everybody that came to him, teaching about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would argue the end is not saying there's two subjects, but the same subject. Because Jesus Christ is the Lord, is Jesus Christ is the king. Yeah. So, the same concept. So, um, I asked before why the church has kind of went down this path. What, wh- why do you think it is? Well, because, again, we segregate our topics. And as discipleship was resurrected in the mid-20th century by Dawson Trotman and other people, mm-hmm. that's what defined it for our generation. Almost everybody defines it from that. We don't go back to the original text a lot of times. We use biblical support for what we do in discipleship, but we don't go back to the original text. And so, that segregated way of developing someone was through men like, and I love Dawson Trotman because sure. of what he did. I mean, he did a lot for the church and for helping people grow in their faith, but it still segregated the concept of the mission of God being only an aspect instead of, unless you understand biblical discipleship in a global context, it's not biblical. It's a Western caricature of discipleship. Wow. That's pretty amazing. You're uh, kind of blowing up our heads here, brother. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's look at the whole idea of one of the concepts of biblical discipleship that I've never seen in Western discipleship is biblical discipleship is about stripping away the cultural bias of a disciple. I, I don't, I've never seen it in any single discipling program. But Jesus was very intentional on that. We see it through moments, you know, circumstances. Roman centurion comes in. And and we've got to understand when Jesus is saying, I've seen no greater faith than 
all of Israel in this man, that was a dagger to the religious solar plex of their cultural bias. John 4, woman at the well, right, right. out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. And the great thing, the cool thing about that event, and this is where those extra biblical editor's notes get in our way in understanding mm. scripture, we'll read John 4 because it tells us to read about it through the lens of the woman at the well. Mm. There's much more going on here than the woman mm. at the well. Mm-hmm. This is a cross, this is an intentional cross cultural excursion and engagement. Yeah. And one of the first ones he's had yes. beyond the the wedding at Cana, this is the first one that comes out of the box. That's huge. And he's got a bunch of bigoted Jews yeah. who he takes to Samaria, sends them into the village of Sychar to buy food, and there's no self-checkout line. Yeah. Now they get to interact with him. Mm-hmm. They come back, and unfortunately, they're not gone yet until the men of the village come out and say, would you please spend time with us? He then spends two days, which means now they're living in the homes of Samaritans. Uh And then they hear one of the probably most challenging statements for a Jew. We believed in you because of the woman, but now we know for ourselves that you're savior of the world. That was a bunch of Samaritan men that made that statement. And the disciples fought that all the way through the life of ministry of Jesus Christ because in Acts 1, 6, Here's the question they asked Jesus. Now are you going to restore the kingdom right. to Israel? <laughs> They're still right. connected with their biases. It's still about them, about yeah. their ethnicity, very egocentric. That's central to discipleship, and we've lost it. Yeah. Yeah. So surfacing something here, our, our sinful nature, it's, it's wired to exalt ourselves, sure. to look out for ourselves and our own interests. And we have to put the flesh to death daily it, it, by faith, okay? So this is a journey. Could you kind of frame what discipleship should look like? I mean, and, and you're going to take us to scripture, so if this is not Jeff's opinion. I get that. Mm-hmm. What should discipleship look like? I know that's tough to answer in a short setting, but... Yes, but I'll start out where I start. Anybody I'm discipling, I always start in the same spot. Always. Within the New Testament, the Greek word mathetes, mathete, matheteo is used over 250 times. But the Holy Spirit only guides three biblical writers to record Jesus using it 10 times. Hmm. Now, did he use it more than 10 times? <laughs> I'd say he used it thousands of times. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit only leads Matthew, Luke, and John to record Jesus using it 10 times. Now, what? so I will take someone through, how did Jesus define a disciple? Because Jesus is the one that should be ta- defining it for us. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a new discovery for me. I have been doing what I just shared with you for 40 plus years. And just this weekend, I'm thinking about those 10 principles again. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that scripturally you can take each phrase that Jesus used to define a disciple and connect it with the mission of God throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament. So when he says it is enough for a disciple to be like his master, that, okay, so 
There you have, our goal is to be like our master, to be like Christ. Well, Paul talks about that in Romans 8, 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Who is the one that we are to be conformed in and through and with? He is the savior of the world, who has now sent us into the world. As in Christ, we are the very righteousness of God. I could, you know, we could go on and on there. But to... To understand those phrases in the meta narrative mm-hmm. of Scripture mm-hmm. and how Jesus and the biblical, particularly the New Testament writers, you can see in each phrase how it relates to the global mission of God. And well, that's the first place I'd start. Now I could go on and on. Yeah, yeah, it is really wild. So often we don't when when we talk discipleship, there's so much presumption, and little of it really falls under. Well, let's start with what Jesus. Could we begin and even end with what Jesus says a disciple is? Might be a good might, might idea. Work. Yeah. Well, you've been a great blessing to be on for a second time. Thank you so much again. We uh, we really have appreciated um, your insight, especially surrounding. I think so often everybody ties themselves to one or two of the uh, great commissioning statements. And and what do they do? They, they, they hang on that. They never look at the other ones. So it's always Matthew 28 or it's always Acts 1-8. And all of these have key placements and pieces in what Jesus is saying and what we should be doing in obeying it. So thank you for bringing that up. And uh, hey, would you like to come back? We'd love to have you back again. Oh man, I'm here. How, okay. about, how about one more episode? Does that sound good? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, one parting comment here. If you're listening today, again, church leader, missions leader, think about the dangers mm. of divorcing missions from discipleship. Yes. That is, it is the very essence of discipleship as Jeff has surfaced. Just take some time to evaluate that, what it looks like in your own context. Defining terms. It's such a critical task especially when it comes to world-changing projects such as fulfilling the Great Commission, don't you think? We sure do. And that's why this episode of When Everything is Missions has been devoted to the simple but profound question, what is a missionary? You've been listening to Matthew Allison and Denny Spitters hosting Jeff Lewis from Radical.net in this, shall we say, lively conversation. We hope you'll subscribe to these regular episodes of When Everything is Missions. We cannot guarantee you'll agree with everything presented, but we promise you'll hear thought-provoking topics that are passionately discussed. Would you also note this website? It is whenevertheringismissions.com. Here, you will find an archive of conversations about topics revolving around the Great Commission. You'll also find a link to Matthew and Denny's book titled When Everything is Missions. Thanks for joining us today. Back next time on When Everything is Missions. This podcast is presented by 1615 Missions Coaching.